On September 30, 1935, a crowd of 20,000 people watched President Franklin Roosevelt commemorate the Hoover Dam. At the time, this was the tallest dam in the world. In the upcoming episode, I'm going to tell you about the life and career of the man that even the Hoover Dam could not contain. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off our DeLorean, the date is January 31st. 1913. And we are in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. You see, this is where our hero was born. And our hero this time is Donald Roy Hudson, who we're just going to go ahead and refer to as Don Hudson for the rest of this episode. When Don was a little guy back in the day, he was a Boy Scout. And when he was a Boy Scout, he played with snakes. And he always said that this is what he believed gave him that quickness and agility, which would end up helping him become one of the most dominating wide receivers of all time. Don went to Pine Bluffs High School, and you would think that we'd talk about him being a football player there, you know, a star football player, but he actually didn't start football until he was a senior, so he basically only played one year. But he was a star baseball player, and he ran track. I mean, this dude was super fast. He had a 9.7 speed for the 100-yard dash, which that was like at the time pretty much unheard of. And like I said, he did play football for that one year and was pretty good but he was mostly recruited over to Alabama for being a star baseball player. So he would graduate high school in 1931. And then he will go to the University of Alabama on a partial baseball scholarship to play center field. But you're like, hey, I thought we were talking about football here. And I'm like, yeah, we are. But he had just barely started playing football the previous year. He only played one in high school. So he didn't have the opportunity to get really recruited to go and play for the University of Alabama. He would become a walk-on for the football team. But due to his like insanely fast 100-yard dash time, he would end up making the team, although he would not play much as a freshman or a sophomore. This is the year where he really got his college career going. You see, in this junior year, he would end up getting more playing time as a starter, and he would end up being voted as an All-American in 1934 which is the year he also led Alabama to a 10-0 record and a national title. And on this team in Alabama would have a, uh, let's say on the other end, they didn't really call them wide receivers, they just called them ends, was a pretty famous cat in his own rights. Does the name Bear Bryant ring a bell to you? You know, one of the guys that would go on to become one of the greatest college football coaches of all time? Yeah, that guy, Bear Bryant. Who? played at Alabama with Don Hudson, but he pretty much had to play second fiddle at the time to Hudson as a wide receiver. And there was a quote from Bear Bryant that went as such, Don had the most fluid motion you had ever seen when he was running. It looked like he was going just as fast as possible when all of a sudden he would put on an extra burst of speed and be gone. Kind of reminded me of Barry Sanders back in the day. You know, put that little and then, you know, press that NOS button and just speed on right out of there. Now, I don't know where this nickname came from, but I got to imagine it came something to do with what he just described him as. You see, his nickname was Alabama Antelope, which, if you remember in a couple episodes ago, Beatty Feathers was the bonding antelope. 
So I don't really know what their affinity was with antelopes back in the day, but they were pretty much, I think, getting at these guys are fast. They'd be bouncing around all over the place. And if you look one way, turn around, they'd be gone. And all of a sudden, they're in the end zone. It's like, what just happened? And to kind of, I guess, wrap up his college career, what I just described was a perfect explanation of his, well, one of his big highlights from college at the 1935 Rose Bowl. You see, he would end up catching six passes for 165 yards and two touchdowns, and they would defeat Stanford 29-3 on the back of Don Hudson through the air, not through the running game like most games in the previous times have been. You see, up until this point, that we're starting to build that momentum and getting inching ever so closely to the aerial attack coming at you from the sky, raining down fire, and all of those kinds of things, Don Hudson is going to be at the center of all of it. And this is just the beginning. You see, after he would end up graduating from the University of Alabama, there was a bidding war for his services. The two teams in this bidding war were the Green Bay Packers and the Brooklyn Dodgers. It was said that they both offered him $300 per game to play for them, which at the time was just like a ludicrous amount. But there was a uh, decision that was made by Joe Carr, the president of the NFL at the time, that would award the Green Bay Packers the rights to Don Hudson. So when he arrived in Green Bay, he was six foot one, 185 pounds, and the year was 1935. You see, many were not convinced that he could handle the NFL, because at the time, it was okay for defenders to hit the wide receiver more than five yards down the field. But they would soon find out that the pounders, you know, the guys that wanted to get up on your grill, they were the ones that would end up getting burned the most. But kind of bringing it all perfect storm-ish kind of together, Curly Lambeau, the coach of the Green Bay Packers at the time, was pretty much pioneering passing in the league with quarterback Arnie Herber. Yeah, that's right, Arnie again. And at the time, current star end, Johnny Blood McNally, whom we find out in a later episode, also made the Hall of Fame. But like I said, most people were not convinced that it was worth spending all this money on some little skinny, you know, fast wide receiver guy. No, he's just a sprinter. Put him on the track, send him to the Olympics, send him over wherever we're at, 1935 at the Olympics, I don't know. And leading up to his first NFL game, Don Hudson recalled sitting in the locker room listening to the radio announcer, as he said they did before every game. And this game was going to be against the Chicago Bears, this big rivalry, the dominating monsters of the Midway, Green Bay Packers, this little feather, light, tiny kind of guy, skinny as a rail, who thinks he can blaze down the field. Well, that's pretty much what the radio announcer said. Don Hudson said that he spent his entire 15, 30-minute program just ripping into Curly Lambeau and saying, what is wrong with this guy? Why would you ever pick Don Hudson and spend all that money on him for this little skinny little guy and he's just going to get hurt in the first play and, you know, all this kind of business and stuff. And Don Hudson said, you know what? It was pretty much like they were giving him no respect. He didn't have this big hype train debut like Red Grange or even Bronco Nagurski or any of that kind of stuff. He was like this dude that they pretty much think they wasted all this money on. Kind of like the first round draft pick, like last year, John Ross, super fast, first round. He ended up with negative fantasy points because they basically threw him a pass, he fumbled, lost the ball, and then he didn't play for the rest of the year. They were kind of thinking something like that might happen. But what happened next pretty much just blew everybody's socks off. 
and Don Hudson would be able to hand that radio announcer the ultimate sit-down moment. You see, on the first play of Don Hudson's career, which I said came against the Chicago Bears, he took a pass from Arnie Herber, 83 yards to the house, to the hizzy, at City Stadium in front of a crowd of 13,600 people. That was the first play. The first play of his entire rookie career in the NFL. And he blew past the guy that we talked about in a couple episodes, Beatty Feathers, for an 83-yard touchdown. He straight blew the top off the house. He went past everybody. Like I said, he kicked on that NOS, put on the turbo speed, and he was gone. And nobody saw this coming. It was even said that B.D. Feathers himself thought that nobody could have caught up to that one. But then he did. That's Don Hudson. He has officially entered the stage to become one of the most prolific wide receivers of all time. And definitely the most dominating player of his entire era. And in that game, Pac won the game 7-0. And like I said, that was one of those kind of sit-down moments where you kind of Tip your head up there to the radio broadcaster up in the stands and you go, a day go. But later on, we find out that was not Don Hudson at all. He was just this kind of cool dude who, no matter what you said to him, he'd just kind of just chill back and say, "Mm mm-hmm, because he would let everything that he did on the field dictate to you what you thought of this guy. Not like these prima donna receivers we got nowadays. You're going to find out he was just by far and away the most dominating player of that era. And we're going to mostly talk about his receiving skills. But as back in the day with most players, he was a 60-minute player. So not only was he this just dominating wide receiver, he was also a star defensive player as a safety. And one of the kind of cool stats was in his final six seasons, he recorded 30 interceptions. And just like I said, just kind of kicked that cherry on top. Also kicked extra points and field goals. So when you think about it, He had double duty. So even though his career was 11 years, he put in all that extra work. So the amount of plays that he had, had to have just, you know, added up tremendously. Just makes me wonder if he would have been able to play more years because he didn't have to deal with this, where would his stats really be? On the way to the uh, crazy amount of stats that he had, there was a game, possibly his greatest game in the NFL, that came on October 7th, 1945. You see, he scored four receiving touchdowns and kicked five extra points for a total of 29 points. And this all came in the first quarter of the game. And the coolest thing is, leading up to the game, the opposing team decided that they were going to try to, you know, double-team them, triple-team them, which at the time was unheard of. You never even bother putting more than one person on a receiver, because what's the point? (laughs) They're really not throwing the ball so much. But he was just that dominant of a player. He struck the fear into the opponents. Like I said, nobody could keep up to this guy. So they put more than one dude on him. They probably even just left Larry over there on the sidelines saying, hey, yeah, go ahead. If they want to throw it to him, whatever, because we got to deal with this guy. We're going to put more than one guy on him. But even though Don Hudson could have been like, yeah, I scored 29 points in the first quarter. Eat that, man. He was still humble. When asked about it, there was a quote that went as such. Well, the wind was blowing hard and straight down the field, and you couldn't throw the ball 20 yards the other way. Those defenders just couldn't get that in their heads. Basically saying, you know, it was just kind of, just it just happened. It's not, I am to the touchdown catch that Babe Ruth was to the home run, where I'm way up here and everyone's way down there. 
like the second guy is not even close to me. He just stayed humble. But then he had another game against the New York Giants where he had 14 catches for 237 yards. I mean, like right now, that would be an amazing game, especially for fantasy football. But he had it way, 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 way back in the day where 237 yards was like a really good year for most wide receivers back then. But again, an ESPN article kept pointing out that this dude was humble. I mean, he wasn't like these prissy pants wide receivers the past 20 years. He just went about his business. He did his job. That's all. Even though up to this point in time, he was the most dangerous weapon the league had ever seen. It was like these mad scientists were in the back alley and they're all creating this super secret special weapon like a science fiction kind of thing that nobody had ever seen. And in fact, they were cheating because they stole some technology from the aliens and then they would just unleash it into the league. Just think that, put it in the, uh, you know, the form and figure of Don Hudson. There you go. That's what it was. And because of this, he will continue to get paid. I mean, like he would break the bank. And uh, one place that I found in his final season was he made a salary of $15,000, which was the highest in the league. That's not anything compared to the nowadays, but back then, that was like big stuff. One of the reasons why was because he led the NFL in receiving yards eight of his 11 seasons. I mean, nine of them, he led the league in touchdown receptions. I mean, Jerry Rice is second at six times, but he also played twice as many seasons almost as Don Hudson, and he didn't play defense. And that was in an era where passing was a thing. But what was more amazing is Hudson is listed as the first place for the consecutive seasons leading the league in passing reception touchdowns at five. But then he's also second place at four in a row. So to kind of break it down for his statistics, um, let's go to his greatest season, which was in 1942. And this year, again, remind you, 1942, the league is just kind of starting to get into passing and they're like what's this thing this ball floating through the air and then this other guy throws out his hands and he sticks to his hands and he just kind of runs in the end zone what is this foreign thing i don't i don't get it it's like greek technology or something like that and don hudson was at the head of the pack the packers that is you see in 1942 he had 74 receptions for 1211 yards and 17 touchdowns. I mean, that was unheard of. To give you a perspective on how otherworldly, dominating, just crazy, mind-bending of an accomplishment this was, the second guy, you know, like the second best wide receiver that year, had 27 receptions for 571 yards and eight touchdowns, which at the time was still really good. So he basically more than doubled every single total in receptions, yards, and touchdowns that the second guy had. But that wasn't all, because he also had seven interceptions, 33 extra points, and a field goal. Not to mention all of the different kind of tackles that he had. I mean, if I was in an IDP league, this dude would have been gold. It would have been one of those things where I could have said, okay, starting lineup, Don Hudson. I don't have to play anybody else, because every week he's going to beat the other guys. Look at it. I mean, look how many points he has. And again, Kind of put this into perspective of how much better he was than everybody. In 1942, he caught more passes than the entire Detroit Lions team. He had more reception yardage than two of the 10 NFL teams. And then he also had more touchdowns than six of those teams combined. He was the most dominant player in an era that I have talked about so far in this podcast. And I don't 
know if I'm ever going to come close to finding a player that is this much further ahead and shoulders above the rest of the competition in any era that I cover. I mean, we're going to find out. And if you want to make sure that you don't miss each week the new episode that hits, please head to your favorite podcast player of choice and mash that little subscribe button so each week you get the newest, hottest off the press episodes of the Football History Dude. And if you want more details on this particular episode, you can hand on over to thefootballhistorydude.com slash episode 10. Now getting back to Don Hudson, the guy that I say is just head and shoulders above the rest. There was a video back on YouTube, of course, where they had it was like a little documentary about Don Hudson, where Peter King from Sports Illustrated was trying to basically describe how much better he was than everybody. He said the only thing I could kind of compare it to is Wilt Chamberlain and just everything he did compared to everybody else in basketball. Or maybe Wayne Gretzky. And he said that, I guess, Babe Ruth and the home runs compared to everybody else at the time would kind of come close to Don Hudson and his touchdown grabs. But even then, it's contentious where Don Hudson was still the most dominating person, a player of a sport of maybe any era. It's kind of hard to figure out. But it's just definitely leaning that way where it's possible he was the most dominant just player, period, any sport of all time. But we'll continue to research that and we'll figure it out as we go. If you have any other suggestions, please send them my way. You can go to thefootballhistorydude.com slash contact or you can hit me up on Twitter. And my handle is at FHDude. But as we close this long, storied NFL career of Don Hudson, which lasted 11 years, he would retire in 1945. His statistics were 488 catches for 7,991 yards and 99 touchdowns. At the time, the second place dude only had 190 catches for 3,309 yards, and the second place TD reception was 62 less than the 99 that Don Hudson had. It would take 44 years before anybody would even break that record of 99. Steve Largent did it when he grabbed his 100th reception touchdown, but that was in the passing era. So it's kind of like one of those things where, I guess you could say, apples to oranges, apples to apples, and, you know, dominoes to Cheetos and stuff like that. But it didn't even come close to what Don Hudson did on the amount of catches that he had at his time frame. On his way, he earned the MVP in 1941 and 1942. My guess is he could have earned the MVP almost every year, but the league still wasn't really accepting that pass catchers were the ones that could lead you to the promised land, but he did. In fact, three times during his career, the Packers won the NFL championship in 1936, 1939, and 1944. And there really wasn't a dude that could describe to you the impact that Don Hudson had more than his coach, Curly Lamble. So I'm going to offer you a quote that came from Curly Lambeau himself, and it went as such. He would glide downfield, leaning forward as if to steady himself close to the ground. Then, as suddenly as you gulp or blink an eye, he would faint one way and go the other, reach up like a dancer, gracefully squeeze the ball, and leave the scene of the accident. The accident being the defensive backs who tangled their feet up fell trying to cover him. There you have it. Curly Lambeau described, basically, coming, creating problems, getting out of there. Reminds me of this one picture I saw one time of this cat. He's all like, standing up, he's all like, walk in, 
mess stuff up, walk out. And that's what he did. Walked into the game, caught that ball, messed those dudes up, turned them around, scored a touchdown. And he would end up scoring a touchdown one in every five catches. Nobody even comes close. He had a touchdown in almost every single game on average of his entire career. It was like 0.86. I mean, this is crazy. Crazy talk. In an era that was not bred for passing, where handing the ball off to a dude, smashing into a wall, was still the in thing. So yes, he was a pioneer for the passing pattern. And he was the dude that changed the way that the game was forever played. And what you and I now know as a National Football League. And after retirement, he served as the assistant coach for Curly Lambeau for three more seasons. Then he would serve on the club's board of directors from 1952 to 1980. And he was elected director emeritus. But this after football stuff wasn't really what he was known for. He was a receiver ahead of his time by a half a century. I mean, he was just like ancient aliens, you know, where you think that they come down and they bring this technology and, you know, we hear about it, the the Mayans or whomever, thousands of years down the road. And you're like, well, how do they even do that? How do they put those stones, and not the Mayans, but how do they put those stones over on top of those stones and Stonehenge and they had to have alien technology. And I think maybe Don Hudson was a dude that they brought back from the future because he could probably play nowadays. I mean, he held 18 records at the time of his retirement. He was definitely the pioneer of what would become the wide receiver. I mean, he broke open the league. He broke it wide open. There was an ESPN article that called him the Copernicus football, where he proved that the universe did not revolve around the run. It revolved around the pass. And from henceforth, we shall take the ball, toss it in the air, let some dude grab that ball down and head toward the end zone. I mean, he invented this modern receiving thing. Everybody out there catching the pass. I mean, Jerry Rice, who is often referred to as the GOAT, has Don Hudson to thank for all the different patterns that he used to run. He created the Z-outs, the button hooks, hook and goes, and a whole catalog of fakeouts. Instead of just snap, hike, run, catch, maybe catch, I don't know, we'll see. He did it all. And for this, he was inducted into the first class of the College Football Hall of Fame in 1951. And of course, when the Pro Football Hall of Fame had its inaugural class in 1963, Mr. Don Hudson was there. I mean, the city of Green Bay also recognized how much of an impact this dude had on the league. There's a street that's named Don Hudson Street, and his number, 14, was the first number ever retired by the Green Bay Packers. And then in 1994, they would open an indoor state-of-the-art practice facility that was named the Don Hudson Center. At the opening of this new practice facility, the then Packers general manager, Ron Wolf stood next to Hudson and he said this, I don't know if there's ever such a thing as royalty in professional football, but this is the closest I've ever come to it. And to kind of wrap this whole thing up, like I said, he could have boasted, he could have just told you every single day to your face, hey, look at me, I'm the greatest there ever was. At my time, nobody even could put a candle to my wind, but he didn't. There was another quote, which is the last quote I'm going to leave you with, from 1989, where he said this about his records being broken. I love to see my records broken. I really do. You get a chance to relive a part of your life, the whole experience. You know, never said, get off my records. 
They're mine. They ain't yours. He just said, I want to just enjoy it. Live life like it is. He would end up passing away on June 26, 1997. However, it's possible this amazing career of the pioneer of the pass catch could have never happened. You see, the Green Bay Packers and Brooklyn Dodgers were in a bidding war for his services out of Alabama. Don Hudson signed a contract with both teams on the same day. NFL President Joe Carr ruled in favor of the Green Bay Packers because they had a postmark of 8.30 a.m., 17 minutes earlier than the Dodgers contract. The Packers under Curly Lambeau were beginning to revolutionize the game into a passing league. The Dodgers were still basically only a running team. If Joe Carr had ruled in favor of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Don Hudson may never have changed the receiving position of the NFL. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Football History Dude and were able to gain some knowledge nuggets about the first true wide receiver in the NFL. If you want to connect with the show and leave your comments about this episode, head to thefootballhistorydude.com slash contact or hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at FHDude. In the next episode, we're going to listen to more personal stories from listeners of the show. If you'd like to share your favorite football moment, head to myfootballmoment.com for more details. But for now, dudes, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>